Welcome back. It's season four of the Lindsay Morgan Snyder podcast. This season, we'll be talking to even more interesting people called by God to love and influence the most culture-shifting city in society. That's right, Hollywood. Why? Well, our old friend Plato plainly puts it, those who tell the stories rule the society. Or, as Lindsay likes to say, as goes Hollywood, so goes the culture. We invite you to come and listen in. We'll be talking to a group Lindsay likes to call artists of culture, people who have risked it all to have a kingdom influence in the storytelling business. We are act one, no editing kind of people. So if we say something silly, we laugh at ourselves and we move on. No performance necessary, not on this show. And now, welcome your host, Lindsay Morgenstern. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so thrilled to have on a guest with me today that I really wanted to have on for months now. So I'm just thrilled that she could be with us today. But her name is Annette Biggers. And Annette has a beautiful like journey in and around Hollywood. She's done everything from photographs, people like Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. And she was with them for years. And we're going to hear a little bit about that. Um, she was also Rick Warren's photographer for uh, uh, many years. And she has very cool stories from that. She's She's photographed celebrities that obviously we can't tell you their names. She's just been in and around Hollywood so much in photography, but not only that, she um, is a producer and she's helped produce different um, films and, and things here in, and, um, in LA. So I'm so excited to welcome Miss Annette Biggers. Hi, Lindsay. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I'm so excited. I, I know you have so many beautiful stories. So I can't wait to share. Um, but you know, the story I wanted to start with was um, when, how did you first like end up being a photographer for the stars or for the for celebrities? Because I know that wasn't anything you were pursuing, but it was just kind of something that God brought you into. So can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, so it was when we first uh, started our business uh, around 2004, um, we named it Triple Cord. There were three of us photographers. We decided to build a team and work as a team because, you know, when you run out of creativity, you just like lean on each other, right? So back in 2004, we made this list of about 10 or 15 things that were impossible for us to achieve in our first year of business um, because we really wanted to trust God and to lean on him. And Rick Warren was my pastor. And he goes, if your dreams aren't so big that you don't need other people, you're not dreaming big enough. Or if your dreams are not big enough that they need a miracle, you're not dreaming big enough. So we were like, okay, let's list 10 or 15 things that we cannot do. Impossible things. And in the first year of business, because in our first year of business, uh, we were living in, I was living in Ladera Ranch at the time. There were probably uh, eight of America's top and most famous well-known photographers in my neighborhood within a mile from my house. Not even kidding. I'm not over-exaggerating there. And um, so we're like, the, the most impossible thing would be like to be on TV. 
in our first year of business to be in an international magazine. I mean, who puts an in, who puts photographers in their magazine anyway? You know, who puts them on TV? Um, and we just started listing all of these these things. And I don't even know if celebrity photography was. I, it wasn't. It wasn't one of them um, because I just had no like desire for it. But we were like, God, just open our hearts to pour out your love on whoever you bring into our studio or you bring um, on our path. And we were just, you know, open to whatever he wanted to do. But we were listing all these uh, impossible things in order to rely on God more and just to operate our business by faith. So within the first month, we got into an international magazine, which... Um, reviews 80,000 photographs went to pick one photographer to, um, you know, out of 80,000 photographers, I'm sorry, out of 80,000 photographs that they were viewing, this was uh, in, not in style, it was wedding style magazine, and it's an international magazine, and Grace Armand will look at 80,000 images, and she picks five photographers to feature in her magazine every quarter. And so you only have four times a month anyway to get in that magazine. So we got in that magazine within a month. Um, we got the most impossible publicist to be our publicist. She had a five-year waiting list. <laughs> she was one of the things. And um, we got on TV as well. So <laughs> everything on our list actually came to pass in the first year, minus maybe one thing. And... Um, that following year, uh, we were learning to really walk with God in our business. And um, the following year, I got a call from my friend, Mark, and he goes, would you like to go and photograph uh, Tiger Woods? Um, playing? He's going to be playing uh, Phil Mickelson, Sergio Garcia, and um, I can't remember the other guy, but he said, we would be on the green with them. We don't have to be behind the rope like all the other photographers and media. We get to actually be in their personal life. And I was like, sure, I'll do that. Well, of course, I was super nervous. It was the first time I'd ever met a celebrity like that. And um, God told me on the way to that, um, to the, um, the place where we're photographing him, the, the golf course, he said, Annette, I've only asked you to love Tiger Woods. I haven't asked you to impress him. I haven't asked you to make sure he thinks you're the best photographer in the world. I've only asked you to love him and to touch him. And so right in that moment, it took all of the nervousness out of me, my soul. Like I was just like freaking out. Ah! I, I felt like I'd never photographed anyone in my life, you know, and I had been doing it all my life. It's like riding a bike for me. But I felt like so nervous. But when he said that to me, all the nerves just went away. And um, from that moment, I have always said that on my way to meet somebody that might otherwise make me feel really nervous, I say that to myself, Annette, you're not there to impress that person. You're there to love that person. And it has literally opened the, the door for people, for God, God now feels probably like he can bring anyone to me because I'm not, I'm not there to impress them. I'm not there to be the main thing. I'm there to show them Jesus and to love them. And almost every person that we photographed back then 
um, we asked them, it didn't matter who they were or how famous they were. We asked them, can we pray for you? Wow. And, um, and I'll probably tell you a story about one of the prayers that we prayed, but I think you have another question for me. So <laughs> girl, I mean, I love that. that's, that's so powerful. It's one thing to just like love and serve the person in front of you, even if they make you nervous, but it's another thing to step out and pray for them. So let's go into that story. Cause that is like, I don't know, to me, that's kind of a next level thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. When they seem intimidating or, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to go do my job, love and serve. That's one thing. But then to step out and be like, mm-hmm. hi, this might offend you, but can we pray? For you? <laughs> like, yeah. love, I would love to hear that story. Okay. okay. So we were, uh, one of our first after tiger, uh, one of our first celebrities after that, we were photographing her and her mom came on the set with us. And, um, during like halfway through the session, her mother comes over to me and she's crying and she goes, Annette, she says, this is my daughter's first experience with a photographer where she did not feel like she was being raped. And when she said that with the tears in her eyes, and I was a mother at the time, I mean, my, my son was on set with me. Um, us mothers love our kids and that, that would break my heart if my son was feeling that way, you know? And I just got this mother bear about me and I was like, oh my goodness, not on my watch. And right then God told me, this is why I need you in Hollywood. I need mothers and fathers. I need the spirit of mother to be, to, to watch the back of my precious kids that are being eaten alive in Hollywood, you know, really torn apart by media that's lying about them, torn apart by people who just want money from them or want to be around them because of they want to be recognized or you know whatever it is whatever reason but they're being torn apart in Hollywood these people and and um after the session I I a boldness rose up in me that day not only did I decide I'm going to photograph celebrities more and more as God brings them to me but I'm going to pray for every single one that will let me and so I asked her um we had three people on our team um, I asked her, I said, is it okay if me and my team lay hands on you and pray for you? And she wasn't a Christian and I knew it. And she started crying and she said, yes, please. You know, so she had already received the love of God during the photo session. She had already felt celebrated and promoted and, and all, I mean, I don't know what kind of feelings were going through her, but to then ask her if we could pray for her. And the prayer was just emboldening. I wasn't asking God, save this woman. She's unsaved, you know? <laughs> I was saying, you know, God, promote her and open doors for her that no man can open. And she just cried. We prophesied over her and prayed over her. And it was so powerful. And that moment, that day, um, changed my life forever. I decided I was never going to be afraid to ask someone to pray for them because they're neat. They need it. They want it. You know, the thing that celebrities don't want, they don't want religion, but they do want love. They do want the love of God. They do want to be face to face with Jesus. The one that loves them more than anyone. Right. And so we have to think like that. You know, I'm not giving them you know, eloquent words that the Bible has, I'm giving them the presence of God. And that just kind of, it's kind of like my Tiger Woods story where I'm not going there to impress them how much I know about the Bible. 
or I'm not there to debate them. I am literally just going to love them, you know, and, and to show them and tell them about the one that loves them more than anyone else, <laughs> you know? I and love so, <laughs> Wait, go ahead. <laughs> no, that's, that's just kind of like the, if you think in, in that line, you'll never be afraid to ask someone to pray for them because you do have something that they want very much. They want, and some people will say no, and that's okay. Yes. Um, they're powerful to say no. And um, God still loves them, even though, you know? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I love that story. It's so beautiful. And, you know, I have a friend too. I, Um, actually I haven't interviewed her yet, but she's a model and she had, I mean, she told me a story of like when she was 18 and went to this talk, like photography shoot. And yeah, I mean, it was pretty brutal what she told me. And I was just like, dang, you know, like I just, we just don't know what's happening, you know? So I love that God's like, I need you in here. And now you told me that, um, God had to kind of do some, like, just some like, as he does with all of us, but just some like sorting out before he like brought you in to do like the, the celebrity photography. I mean, was it just that like, hey, Annette, this isn't about like you impressing them. This is just about you loving them. Or was there kind of more to that process? Yeah, there was a little more like over the years as I was going on, um, I realized that God needed me to get to the place where I was untriggerable. And I was unoffended, um, no matter how different someone was from me. And he was showing me um, how triggers and offense just divide. They divide you. They, they, they literally shut your voice down. Um, you have no power to, um, and I don't mean power over someone. I mean, power to love someone. You do not have like the anointing or the open uh, door into someone's heart when you're offended. And, and that is what God needs us to be is he needs us to be the kind of people that, um, keep the door of communication open, um, and to drive his love through that door. And if we're offended, it can't get through, you know? And so through the years, he taught me through different, you know, Rick Warren is a really good example. You know, he is unoffendable, untriggerable. He is just like this papa of love. You know, he loves everyone and he shows it. He intentionally shows it, you know, and he taught me so much traveling with him to Africa um, and just seeing his vulnerability with the African people um, showed me a level of vulnerability that I needed to have because you know, Rick is a celebrity and he is like, he's America's pastor and he's on TV. He's in the limelight. Uh, the media always lies about him. (laughs) If the media is lying about you, you're a celebrity. (laughs) That's how, you know, and, um, and yet he stays completely, uh, humble and unoffended at those people that are doing those wrong things. And I had to learn that because, um, people walk in different shoes and you don't know why they are the way they are um, because of their upbringing and um, becoming unoffendable and untriggerable opened doors for me um, 
I think that that was the key. I think that that was the key. God could say, I can trust you with this person. Nobody else likes this person. They're such a, you know, they're a yeller, a screamer, they're angry. They have, they have all kinds of things going on in their soul and you're not going to be offended by them. You're not going to be triggered by them. So I can trust you to take my love in there, you know, mm-hmm. and drive out, um, I, I don't know any other way to say this, but the demonic that is attacking them. Wow. Um, and that's many times why people act the way they do because they're being attacked spiritually. And um, yeah, and they're just reacting and responding to the feeling of being attacked all the time. You know, if the media is not enough, <laughs> you know. Right. Oh. Wow. That's so amazing. Um, I just was, it just was brought back to memory. I don't know why, and this is a little bit off subject, but a friend and I were taking a walk yesterday and we walked by this man, this homeless man who is like for sure demonically oppressed. Like, I mean, screaming yet, like, you know, sometimes the celebrities, you don't know, like it's, it kind of looks a different way, but like when it's like a homeless person, it's often like just like obvious you know what I mean like yeah like Mm -hmm. a mental illness it just looks like the demonic you know and this man he was screaming and yelling and like almost trying to like um like get something off of him or whatever and um Chris Valton which I know you're up in Reading like he had told us in school he said when you see that he's like you want to pray a hedge of protection and a ring of fire around these people because they're being attacked And I was like, okay, like, that's a good point, you know? And so, because I used to go up and try to talk, you know, do all these other things. And the Lord was like, okay, that's so sweet of you lens, but actually like, this is another strategy. And so, um, you know, I do that now. And so my friend and I just stopped for not, not like to him. I mean, we had, we'd walked probably, we were probably 200, 300 feet away from him. And we just stopped for a moment. And we said, we pray hedge of protection, ring of fire. We come before the courts of heaven, you know, plead the blood of Jesus, da, 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 da the whole time we were praying, he was silent. He was silent. And we were like, whoa, that's interesting. Cause he was like screaming and yelling. And as we were praying again, we're not laying our hands on him or anything. He is completely silent. And we were just like, wow, like we kind of forget who we are sometimes, you know? So we walked down, we were gone an hour. We come back up and I'm not kidding you. This (laughs) With this Ray-Bans on chilling, like (laughs) my friends and I were like, whoa, like we were just, it's like, you forget sometimes as a Christian, like how powerful you are, you yeah, know? Yeah. And how much they need you to yeah. be powerful. And sometimes you don't have to say anything, you know, sometimes you don't have to lay a hand, like literally, like we just have that authority. And so I just think that's so beautiful and powerful. Um, I don't know why I went there, but it just like popped in my head. Um, but I want to hear more about Rick. I know you guys, um, you spent years together, right? Like um, in Rwanda, is that correct? Um, yeah, we weren't in Rwanda for years, but we did travel there a few times. Um, but he, I was his uh, personal uh, family photographer and then also um, uh, his executive photographer. And um, I did all kinds of work for him but the work that we did in Rwanda was probably my fondest Mm -hmm. and then also just walking through the death of his son with him was also just a wonderful experience for me not wonderful as in great but uh, life lessons you know to watch 
a famous person mourn um, and how he had to go in hiding for six months. The very first time he came out of hiding um, was our trip to Rwanda that year that Matthew committed suicide. And um, he went to Rwanda. It was, the people of Rwanda saw him before anyone else did. And he, we went to every province in Rwanda and Rick told a story about mourning of his, with his, uh, over his son. And he told the Rwandan people, I came here because you guys know how to mourn. And you know how, you know how, because, you know, they went through the genocide, you know, their neighbor might've killed their mother and their, their son, you know? And so there was great mourning in Rwanda. Those people know um, how to be vulnerable. And so I got to see him be healed uh, everywhere he went. The Rwandans would lay hands on him and pray for him and pray for his ministry and his family. And that was really cool. But also um, I wanted to say that Rick is one of the most amazing famous people in the entire world. He knows how to be famous. Um, and what I mean by that is he's extremely humble and you would never know he was. And um, I, I always looked at him for an example, like, uh, you know, the worship pastors that are getting really famous and, you know, a lot of the pastors and stuff. I'm always like, man, you guys just need to go hang out with Rick. <laughs> he, needs, he, he can teach you how to be famous because <laughs> in his mind, he just is not. He, he loves every person and um, yeah, he's just extremely humble. But the story about Rwanda is the president of Rwanda called him once to ask him, will you come to my country and make it the very first purpose-driven nation on the earth? Wow. And Rick actually, just to show you how not, I mean, he doesn't just answer the phone to presidents. He actually ignored that phone call because hmm. he's like, oh, you know, it's probably another, you know, person wanting, you know, me to endorse them or whatever. I mean, he's just like, He's not like going to answer the phone because you're a president. Mm. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And his best friend, one of, not his best friend, but one of his friends, he investigated the president of Rwanda. It's President Kagame is his name to see if he was a good man. And he found out, yeah, this is a good man. So he told Rick, he goes, you should probably answer that phone call, you know, and talk to him because I don't think he's trying to take advantage of you. He's a good man. He really wants help. For his country. Well, Rick uh, literally um, changed Rwanda. If you go there now, um, and, and the, the president, President Kagame, did what Rick told him to do hmm. give the power back to the church, let the church take the social problems, let the church heal the sick, let the church do what they do best, let the businesses be prosperous, um, let the people be empowered to build business and government stay out of their lives. And all your only job is, is to make laws to protect the people. That's your, that's your only role. And the president of Rwanda said, okay, but you know what, Lindsay, the poorest people that we met in Rwanda on that trip, they had the faith that whatever they had in their hand, they could multiply it. You wow. can't go to any other third world country and see people that believe that they can start a business with what they have in their hand, wow. you know, and they just had this faith. 
I, no matter what I have in my hand, I can multiply it. And Rick did that. And so the entire country, if you go there now, it doesn't even look like a third world country anymore. It's the light of Africa. So wow, the things that I learned there and how you can inspire people, it's not you. It's not that people have a lot and they have a lot of money. So now they can invest it, You can inspire anyone to be great, to be prosperous, to be the person that God wanted them to be, you know, with, you can inspire people that have nothing right. And they can become what God had always desired for them to become just because pastor Rick decided I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go love the Rwandans. And I'm going to show them that they can be who God said they are, you know, and restore their identity from, you know, a poverty mindset and an orphan spirit into one of kings and queens. It's so powerful, right? You do this. I mean, I just, I just love it because I'm thinking, I wonder how it made them feel that Rick Warren, somebody who I don't know that they knew or looked up to would come to them for help. I just think that's like, I know, right? Like that reciprocal, like thing of like, I need, you know, I need your help. And you know, I, I know, and you know about that. You know what I mean? So not a transactional love, but more of just like, a, I can help you with what I know and you can help me with what you know. Like the fact that he went there and he's like, you guys know how to mourn yeah. better than anybody else. So I'm coming to quote unquote, learn how to mourn. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just think that's so powerful. That had to also like create this, like just feeling of like, cause love is reciprocal, right? So yeah. it had to create this feeling of like, oh, we get to help you. You know what I mean? Uh -huh, like, yeah. It's such a, helpful. it's so much about giving and receiving, you know, like we cannot give love unless we've received it well from God. You know, it says in song of songs, the very first chapter, it says, let him kiss me. Mm -hmm. And much of our life is about letting God, letting God love us. And when we, when we get really good at that, letting him love us, letting him kiss us, letting, you know, what really what that means is he wants to be intimate with you. He wants to be one with you. He wants to be like a bridegroom with you one. He wants to be one in spirit with you. And he just wants that oneness to manifest through your life. And, um, and, and it, it, it really is like an intentional, um, going after this letting God love us, you know, and when we let him and when we become cognitive of his love, we're walking through our days all day. You know what? I'm not going somewhere. I'm being sent by God, the lover of my soul to go and give this love to other people. And, it, you know, it really is so much about just being cognitive of his love every moment of all your days, right? Yeah, girl, um, no, I nobody, that. <laughs> nobody does it perfectly. Nobody has, you know, but we are, we're going there. That's what we're going after is to every moment feel the love of God. And when people like we're, we're learning to be Peters where we just walk by people and our shadow heals them, you know, or we give them, you know, a little gift, a handkerchief and the handkerchief heals them because we're so um, we're so saturated with the love of God that it's powerful, you know, and everything we touch does turn to cold. <laughs> I love that. You know, girl, that's what I like to talk about. 
<laughs> I feel like I've had a long journey of, you know, letting God's love in. For some reason, that was, that's been like a lifelong lesson for me. Some people maybe pick it up faster than I did, but for me, <laughs> like God's like, and you need to write a book about this because you really need to understand this. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it is my favorite thing. It is my favorite thing just to sit with God, just to be with him, you know, like, and sometimes I'm like, am I isolating? You know, I'll ask myself that I'll ask God that. And, and I had to even, even this morning and Ed was so fun. I had to look up the definition. What is isolating and what is intimacy? <laughs> <laughs> like for me sitting here with God, like it feels so like my, like, so my favorite place, you know, but yeah. then, am I isolating, you know, cause there's that, that whole thing in like Christian culture, don't isolate. And so I'm like, well, how, what's the difference between intimacy with God, where you just want to be with him for a time, not like your whole life. I mean, the desert fathers were, but you know, like where you want to be with him and then a time where it's like, quote unquote, unhealthy isolation. Actually, do you have any thoughts on that? This is like so <laughs> random. We have fun. Well, it's kind of like the difference between aloneness and loneliness. Um, loneliness means you're empty. Mm. And alone doesn't mean you're lonely. Uh, alone could mean you're feeling the fullness of God because, you know, you're intentionally getting alone with him, you know, mm. and and you, and, and the thing is, I, I like to tell people sometimes is that many people know how to be one with Jesus, but they don't know how to be one with his body. Mm. And the body is the church, right? People. And when you're healthy in your oneness with Jesus, you're healthy in your oneness with people, even if those people are not so nice, because when you have that, that shield about you, the Bible says the favor of God surrounds you like a shield. When you, when you have developed allowed God to build that shield around your heart, so strong around you, other people's toxic words, they might be shot towards you, but they fall to the ground before they get to your heart. They mm -hmm. cannot get through the shield that you have developed with Jesus. So it's like that aloneness with Jesus is so important. Isolation means, I think isolation means it's only me and God and never his body. Mm, right. You know, cause we, we experience Jesus through people. So we've got to have that family. We've got to seek out a church that's healthy. We got to seek out relationship with people that are full of the Holy spirit, because they're going to give us an aspect of God's love that we could have never gotten anywhere else. You know, we couldn't have gotten it by reading the Bible. It comes through people. And this is the thing, Jesus wants so much to manifest on the earth. He wants to manifest through our physical bodies. And, and the way he does that is people that are saying, yes, yes, Lord, use me. Um, and it's not really even those words, use me. It's send me, right? Mm -hmm. Send me because you're right. I can love that difficult person. I, because I have so much love inside of me. I don't know what to do with it all. It is like gathering and letting him fill you to the point where you're ready to explode and you have to go be with people. <laughs> so, okay. It's the balance. I heard that recently. Somebody said, um, it's easy to be extreme. It's hard to be balanced. And, you know, I thought that was so interesting because like, I'm very extreme. So I'm either like 
super freaking codependent, which I was for pretty much 35 years of my life or like just me and God, you know what I mean? So obviously (laughs) a healthy balance, but like there's that codependency where we're like so addicted to other people that Mm -hmm. we don't, you know, we're trying to like drag our love out of each other, um, which is, I find unhealthy or it was in my life anyway. Um, and then there's like the other thing where you're scared of all the people because that was <laughs> and you swing to the yeah. other side and you're like, it's just going to be me and the Lord for a while, you know? And I think like, for me, I had to have both of those seasons actually to find a balance, um, and to even understand what health was and all of that. But yeah, it's, um, it's a journey. It's a good journey though. I like it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I think too, is like, God doesn't need us, but yeah. he wants us. Yeah. And so it's kind of like for, for us, a real healthy love is that I don't need you so much, but I really do want you in my life, you know, and that's a way better love feeling for the other person as well, you know, and the need part is, is like a codependent. I'm sure you like have read so much about that, right? The whole needing, needing, being needy. Um, And yes, we do need each other. Absolutely, but we're not needy. <laughs> Isn't that kind of a it's, it's a fine line, right? And um, to recognize our need for each other is really healthy. But yeah, it's such a fine line, Lindsay. It's like one of those journeys that's worth taking. It's worth taking with Jesus to find out like what is healthy. What does a healthy love look like with other people? And you know, it, it's just a great journey that you're on. <laughs> I don't know why we're talking about me all of a sudden, but you know, just even as you were talking about Rick and just like, I don't know, there was something really powerful there. And like, he went there, like we often think like, we're going to come to the third world country and save it. You know, we're going to come to Hollywood and save it, you know, but (laughs) right. When I just found that so profound when you said that he went to Rwanda to learn how to mourn from the people. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that's like a healthy um, exchange, you know, because it's like Rick wasn't being needy, but he had a need. And so he went to people who he knew understood that need and they pulled that. And then he knew something that they needed. I don't know. For me, that was powerful when you were, I was Uh like, oh, it's so powerful. It's so good. I love that. And I, I also love what you talk about. I've obviously been, not obviously, but I've been to one of your um, workshops, which was so beautiful and powerful. Um, and you talk about this idea of, it's similar to what we were just talking about, but you talk about this idea of um, when the spirit is behind, and I might get it wrong, so please you know, go ahead and correct me, but when the spirit is behind art, it carries wholeness and healing. And, and I love that and would love for you to speak on that because one of my like visions from God is to see people healed, set free and delivered through their TV screen. Because a lot of people are sitting in their living room, in their bedroom, like watching TV, it's entertainment. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But like, I just like have this vision to see people like literally saved, healed and delivered like 
through story, you know, like watching TV, maybe they don't even know what's happening, you know? So I'm super interested in like your whole belief around like how if the spirit is behind the art, it can bring healing and wholeness. I want to hear about it, girl. Yeah. So, um, I I've seen it at Bethel cause that's where I go. And, um, I've seen painters on this stage paint something and it will heal somebody in the congregation. Mm-hmm. And even one time um, I, I was watching this painter. I was like, I would never want that painting. It's just so, it was really abstract. And I was like, you know, like, I don't get it, you know? And like 15 minutes later, my friend comes over to me and she's like, did you see that painting on stage? Oh my goodness. God told me I needed to go buy it. And she goes, um, God told me that beauty doesn't have to look like something. And I was like, wow. And it just like ministered to her heart because she had been trying to become this beautiful person that everyone would like and perfect and, you know, be under perfection. But this piece of art told her beauty doesn't have to look like something. It doesn't have to, you know, and this, this painting was kind of messy, but she thought it was beautiful. You know, this mess was beautiful. Right. And that's the thing when a painting or a movie or anything that you're creative and you're working on, when you are doing that under the inspiration of Jesus, under the inspiration of the Holy spirit, that thing that you're making has the power to heal another person because you, you had to create it through love. Hmm. You know, you had to create it like, Jesus, what do you want to paint today? What do you want to paint with me today? That's a relationship, right? It's intimacy when you're thinking that way. And what, whatever you create under the influence of the spirit of God, it, it, it does what Jesus does. It heals, it saves, it delivers. Mm-hmm. And, um, it just has the power to, it carries the spirit to do that work. Um, it's like when Jesus was speaking, you know, the Pharisees were like, we've heard all, all kinds of speaking before, but your words carry spirit and life. And the reason his words were different, not because they were more eloquent or more educated, his words carried spirit and life because he had the love that was behind those words. His heart was exploding and the words came from a heart of love for those people. So whenever you're doing anything, you're creating, you're writing. Like one, one thing that I do when I write, I imagine the person that I'm writing to and I imagine how can I love that person? What words will help that person's heart just jump and come to life? And I literally write through this idea that I'm loving this person that's reading those words. And I write things that I've never studied. I write things that I've never known. <laughs> you know, I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? It comes from the spirit, right? Because God is love. Yeah. He doesn't have love. He is love. And so when you're under that, uh, the power of the spirit, you're just like, you're literally just have to invite him. Jesus, come here right now and write through me. Let's write together you know, let's see what we can write on this page together. Just that act alone is involving God who is love and you're writing from the spirit, right? And your words have the power to save, heal, and deliver. Um, That's kind of what I mean by that. And really it doesn't matter what, what kind of creative thing you're into. 
you invite God on the scene, love's happening. People are getting saved, healed, and delivered. <laughs> well, I love that because when I was at Bethel, um, now you guys are just listening to our conversation, which is great. But when I was at Bethel, I took a fashion class um, with this darling, beautiful gal. And she had said like, well, you know, the scripture you just mentioned, like in Acts, I think it's 19, um, where, it, you know, yeah, the, the cloth was soaked in the presence of God and then taken out and like healed people or the apron. And this, this girl was basically saying like, look, like if that happened in scripture on fabric, why couldn't we create clothes? <laughs> The yeah. presence of God and without anyone knowing they walk into a store and you know wherever Rodeo Drive they buy this shirt and like it brings healing to them like I was just like okay so I have a really quick testimony do I have time yeah girl let's okay go. so just the other day I was in San Diego with Nancy Vu Nancy Vu you know her uh, she is a world-class fashion designer let's just say and Oh my goodness. She is amazing. Right. Well, I go down to San Diego. We are there, um, serving a woman who's running for governor of California, Jenny Ray. Um, and I think Jenny Ray would be fine with me sharing this. Um, but we're down there and Nancy took her shopping, bought all these clothes for her, you know, and showed her, you know, Jenny, you're worth it. You get to wear these clothes and you get to look like the governor now before you get elected. You know, it's kind of like David was kingly before he was a king mm. and she did her hair and makeup. Oh my goodness. Jenny looked amazing. And I was photographing her and she was speaking alongside Caitlyn Jenner. And, um, and so it's kind of intimidating, you know, a little bit, but the coolest thing is, is Jenny told us later, she goes, I've never felt more beautiful than I did last night at that event. And that just feeling of people pouring into you and using their gifts and talents to uh, promote you and to celebrate you. It gave her the power to stand up beside Caitlyn Jenner and speak. It, it was just so powerful. Like, her words were the only words that carried substance to them. And I noticed that I was like, of all five candidates, Jenny was the only one that carried substance. Um, you know, Caitlyn Jenner had the entourage and the montage of people, but Jenny was the one that carried spirit in life. But this is the thing when we do our, when we do what we do out of love for another person to connect, to build intimacy with them, we literally empower them to be like God on the earth. We empower people to manifest the presence of God on the earth when we pour in the love of God into them. And we got to see that right in front of our eyes the other night in San Diego, um, California. It was really cool. Wow. <laughs> How beautiful. I want Nancy Vu to come. Actually, I've been shopping with Nancy Vu, but not that. <laughs> but I oh my gosh she's 
so amazing. That would be so fun. Oh my goodness. I love that story. No, these stories are so amazing. And I, I know you have many more because um, I've heard you talk about other things that are just so fascinating. But um, but thank you so much for being on. I loved it. I honor you, respect you so much and all that you've done and just how oh, you, you love people like in all places. And that is not always easy to do. So I just like really, really honor you for that. And would you pray for our listeners? Um, yes. Just anything you feel led. Um, you know, I sometimes think people that are listening are like really into the arts and into creativity, but maybe they don't live in LA, you know what I mean? And so I just like to encourage them that like their art and their form of beauty, like you said, beauty can look like anything, um, could still be super impactful in their own worlds. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Lord, I pray for every person listening that you would just fill them right now with your kindness, surround them with your love, build a, a wall of protection around them. Um, of your favor, God, the Bible says your favor surrounds us like a shield. And I just pray, Father, that people would realize and recognize that they're not walking in their own um, talents and gifts, but they're walking in the anointing of God. And that's what sets them apart. That's what opens the doors for them. They don't have to go tearing doors down or proving uh, the world that God is great. No, they just get to walk it out. They are anointed and empowered by your spirit, God. So I pray for a, um, a boldness for every person listening, a boldness to just uh, go through the doors that you're opening for them, God, and that they would walk right into the hearts of people and share the love of God and see many, many people healed, saved, and delivered everywhere they go. I even pray for a Peter anointing of our shadows, healing people when we walk by. <laughs> just make it easy, Lord, as we get filled with your spirit, and we just say yes to being sent by you, and we just say, yes, Lord, send me um, every day we're being sent. We're not going places, we're being sent, and to keep that in our minds, and to um, heal people, even with the smile on our face, smiling at the barista or smiling at the person in the car next to us in traffic. Lord, I just pray that each person listening would realize that they carry the boldness of the king of the universe and they can do all things. They can do all things with the spirit of God. Um, bless them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. <laughs> this has been wonderful. So I adore you, Lindsay. Thank you so much. <laughs> I so adore you. You are just so fabulous on so many levels. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Guys, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks with the new guests, but we're so glad you were here listening. Bye-bye. Well, now, wasn't that fun? See you next week, guys, as we explore another fascinating story of Jesus in Hollywood with your host, Lindsay Morgan Snyder. And for more from Lindsay, check out lindsaymorgan.co, where she coaches high-capacity, dynamic individuals called to entertainment and Hollywood in the areas of biblical self-love, self-acceptance, and connection with themselves and God. This is Nathan Madden, and as always, it's been a pleasure.